0: The car you drive every day should be fun.
1: But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries.
0: You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this
1: is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Apologies for my voice. I've been fighting off a uh, early winter cold here, so uh, I could really do the, yeah. the low voice DJ thing, or I could just try to uh, to get through <laughs> everything here. Turns out my favorite drink these days is hot tea instead of whiskey. Uh, trying to soothe my voice here, but I think you all know what that's like. But thanks for joining us on the podcast, everyone. We are thrilled to have you with us. We have been so busy doing so much stuff, getting ready for yep, the premiere yep. of Icon here in Park City, mm-hmm. Utah. And uh, I've got uh, a car debate to tell you about, but then I'm going to turn things over to Todd because (laughs) of all the craziness just getting the film out, the -the behind-the-scenes stuff – we talked with the guys last time about behind the scenes yeah, for the yeah, shoot, yeah. but this is behind the scenes of just trying to get the film out the door that you wouldn't mm-hmm. believe. And mm. I haven't even heard some of this, so I'm actually excited yeah. to sit that's back. The thing.
0: Some of it is that's... stuff that I haven't even revealed to you, the, <laughs> ma- the last bit of the madness. Yeah, I hear you.
1: You mentioned that, and then I we haven't had a chance to talk, so uh, I'll, I'll be curious to hear that. So we've got this car debate for this one, which is Shane in Washington, D.C., He is experiencing first-world problems to the nth degree. They're already a three-car family, and he's thinking about getting rid of one of them so they could promptly lease another one and wonders what that could be to fit kids and all that stuff into his life. Well,
0: that's the big thing. They're going from two kids to three kids. And we're dealing with genuine car enthusiasts in both he and his wife. So that's actually really cool. But we're dealing with uh, three kids, meaning three trash can car seats at once, <laughs> which is a struggle. Yes, definitely. Although he asked
1: if car seats, three car seats, will fit across one back row, which is something I've never seen or heard of. I've seen two, but will three car seats fit across any car?
0: Well, there are a whole, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of Short teasing of right suburban? now, Shane, but... There are there are whole you know mommy drives websites that are out there and I should have found one prior but there are whole mommy kind of drives websites that test that they test three across Uh, that's actually something that does get tested one of the things that helps you is if you have uh, two front facing and one rear facing or vice versa two rear facing one front facing because then you can stagger the bases I'm getting kid geeky here wow but the truth is I didn't know these websites existed. (laughs) I'm not this surprised. This is a though. hard scenario. There are there are multiple websites. Wow. This is, again, you, you and I get different internets. We get very different oh internet, web, web traffic. But there are websites where where moms are testing that kind of thing. And it is not a common reality to have three across that works and gets doors closed. So that's the one thing that I will say ahead of time before we even get into talking to Shane. You're going to have to cross-reference us with those because we may be wrong. But keep going.
1: Huh. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I'm no expert on the three-car car seat across uh, category, but uh, yeah, I didn't really think so, short of a van or a Suburban or something like that, but we've got it's some tough. suggestions it's here. Really I uh, I started out way into the weeds, which I'm excited to tell you about, but then I pulled it back because Shane's lease payment range is in the $325 range, and it's it's interesting because Todd and I have touched on leasing, but it's not something mm-hmm. we set out to do mm-hmm. often, and that, that kind of stuck out in yeah. your email here, yeah. Shane. And uh, we don't really touch on that too often with a mindset of, I'm going to go lease. I've got this amount of money to spend, but it's true, a monthly true. lease payment. So we're going to do our best here. I think, uh, I think I've think i got some interesting suggestions. They're a twist, Good. Good. but uh, we'll explain good. more. <clears throat> In the meantime, I want to turn things over to you. And hear these things about the film because as you know, everybody, the icon <laughs> film has dropped. That is our ode to all things BMW M3 for this year. If you yes. haven't seen yes. that yet, that is available on Vimeo right now. But now Todd's mm-hmm. going to tell you mm-hmm. how it got to be on Vimeo and how it will get this to is be true. on Blu-ray.
0: Well, <laughs> And I want to thank you guys already because many of you by the time you're hearing this many of you have already seen the film, have already gotten back to us with comments. I'm going to I'm going to say this to you though, if you ha- if you have seen the film and you haven't commented on Vimeo, we would love for you to leave your review there. A few of you already have. A few of you've written us private notes and honestly, thank you. Some of those private notes are really yeah, encouraging you. for how much you've enjoyed the film, but we would love for you to just share your thoughts to a wider audience than just us. We're glad you sent it to us, but if you if you did see it on Vimeo or you see it on in of our films on Vimeo get on there and leave us a review on there because people do read those reviews when they're deciding about watching the film and many of you have watched it already this has been a, a really good success for us already which we're very very thrilled about uh, my last caveat about the film kind of a warning for you before I get into the madness <laughs> of the delivery is if you ordered a blu-ray You will understand when I get through this ridiculous story why you don't have it in hand yet. But essentially what happens on all these films, on any of these films, what's happened, certainly the last uh, two years prior to this one, so the last three years straight, is we get the masters done on the same day for Vimeo and for the Blu-ray. But then the Blu-ray master that I make has to be shipped off to duplication. So it has to actually FedEx out, and then it has to be duplicated, and then the hundreds of them have to be shipped back to us. Right. So even though many of you have ordered right there on the eighth when the film dropped. And thank you. We will be shipping those discs essentially in the next couple of days because we have to get them back from duplication in order to ship them out. So we always try to make them available for ordering the day that it drops. But if you're wondering what's going on, that's what's happening. Uh, so by the end of this week, we will have discs in hand and be in the midst of already shipping to everybody. I mean, I expect in the next 24, 48 hours after we record this podcast, we'll already be shipping. So if you order late in the yeah. week of this uh, week, you can get it directly. And you can still get it before Christmas, I promise you. So uh, that is happening. But here's the madness. I, I, <laughs> I'm curious. so I, many I, twists. i, think... <laughs> I...
1: Tell you what, start with uh, the uh, I guess the day of mastering because you were finishing sure. color correction, yeah, yeah, getting yeah. all that. You had the audio all lined up. That all came together. Yeah. Well,
0: and
1: then well, here's it was the thing that all, the mastering. that
0: everyone listening has to understand. I mean, uh, think about the fact we're dropping on a Thursday. So, by Thursday morning, nine a.m., my intention is to have the film out. Now, this is the same schedule, just so you know, of the last two films. This was the schedule for Pilgrimage. It was the schedule for Mid Into the Mountains. So, the Monday. Before I'm going to release, we get the mix. Same exact thing as, la- as the last couple years. years. Actually, I went to the mix on Monday. Did the mix approval with the mixer. He was going to do some final tweaks. I did final color tweaks Monday night. We're doing great. We're totally on schedule. Everything's <laughs> awesome. It's Everything's exactly rosy. like it always is. Monday night is perfect. Tuesday, I get delivery of the mix elements. So for those of you that don't know, the mix is literally what it sounds like. It's the audio only of the film exactly made to the length of the picture. So when I lay it underneath the picture in editorial, they will match. They will sync up. They have to be exact to length. These things have to track so that everything works. Now, one of you asked a question actually for our Facebook questions. What did we do before Everyday Driver? One of the main things I did is worked in the film industry. And for a good portion of that, I worked at New Line Cinema. And a lot of my job was this. It was mastering and quality control, QC of elements of films. I have done this for longer than I care to think about. But, of course, now we're doing it for our stuff on a smaller scale. So yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Everything's working fine. It's it's fine. It's all good. So I pull the, the picture out of the color program. I've got it back in Final Cut 10, which is where I work for the show. Uh, I've got the mix into Final Cut 10. This is uh, Tuesday night. I'm doing last looks of the picture. I'm making sure that the audio is in sync. Tuesday night goes fine great. Perfect. So this means that Wednesday is about mastering. Now what mastering essentially means is I dump out a master quality file, a high quality master quality file out of the editing program, which has picture and mix combined. And I've done all the picture fixes. The mix is working. I dump that out. And then I take that same master file, which is a quality candidly that only we will ever see. It's a, it's a, it's a, bit depth it's a I'm getting geeky but it's it's a huge file yeah. that file gets compressed one way for blu-ray and it gets compressed another way for the web same file okay what I will end up doing is quality controlling watching in real time both those files individually because if they have a problem then obviously that traces back to the master but they could also create a problem in the creation of those two compressions Follow me. It gets geekier from here. So uh, yeah, and, yeah. It, 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 All there's, right. there's madness. All right. There's All madness right. on the horizon. So anyway, so I compress it for for Blu-ray. Now, one of the nice things about the schedule I'm talking about is these big compression moments that take just a lot of computer grinding. I always set them up to work overnight. Right. Of course. So then I've got the file to work with. Right. I, I'm sleeping. It's got t- plenty it's of time to chewy. just work. I'm not standing over it. It's it's just chewing. On it. Exactly right. So it's perfect. Right. Right. So uh, I've got files to work with on Wednesday. I make a Blu-ray, I sit down Wednesday night to watch said Blu-ray. Everything's working swimmingly, which is a, which for this pro- project is when the wheels come off, because prior years, no problem. I sit down and I watch the Blu-ray. I'm watching it in real time, I'm pleased with how it looks, I'm liking what I, what I hear on the mix, I do have to caveat that I get to a place on all of these projects where all I see now is the things I want to fix. There's always things to fix. Of course. But we're to the place where well, it's an the artist, things I could fix. You know,
1: looking at your painting. You know, you're know, you looking back but, at it and going, oh, if I only did that, that would." but most people mm-hmm. aren't going to see it. So,
0: Well, that's the thing. It's a th- I'm aware of the fact that there are things <laughs> I could fix that will probably only ever bug me. Yeah. And well, there might be 1% of the audience that even knows about them. So what I'm looking for while watching this through is things that – are glaring that I know will bring down the quality of the film for everybody that I can do anything about. (laughs) You never even knew this, Paul. I'm watching the film. It's going so well. I get to the closing stand-up of the film. Okay. Less than five minutes remaining. We are, in fact, about 90 seconds from closing credits. That's how far through the film I am. Okay. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to go to bed at a normal time Everything is looking wonderful. You see where this is going. Okay. (laughs) In my last pass of the computer editing program, I applied to some shots a stabilization filter. And that is, if you don't know the filmmaking world, that is exactly what it sounds like. You put a filter onto a shot that has a little bit of shake and it can fix it. Now, I'm a geek. I can see when people use it. I can see on an image when it's been used. And if you use it on a shot that doesn't take it very well, it gets a little bit of a wave to it. And that's the stabilization filter. The problem with the stabilization filter is every now and then, it goes a little bit insane. Uh-oh. It just inexplicably will render something that makes no sense whatsoever. Oh, no. There is a shot in the closing stand-up where the tripod that had our wide shot was pretty high in the air. It was about 12 feet high in the air. It kept getting a little bit of minor vibration because of the wind blowing that camera up high. So I put a stabilization filter on the shot. It's a simple shot. It's a lock-off. It doesn't, I mean, I had just done it to be picky. <laughs> we get to this shot, and I can tell the minute we cut to that edit, I'm like, why is that shot zoomed in farther than it's supposed to be? And I'm already my, my blood's going cold. And at the end of this shot, which is about a two, three-second shot, at the end of the shot, for no reason whatsoever, the shot spins like I tried to put a visual effect on it. It spins 90 degrees, what? revealing black on either side. It just like warps like 90 degrees. It reveals black on the edges, and the whole shot spins like some visual effect. In the last half dozen frames of that shot.
1: I didn't know this. I I, I didn't know this. I I am now
0: crestfallen when this happens. Because it's coming up on midnight. And that means that the Blu-ray is wrong. But it also means the master is wrong. Which means the file for Vimeo is wrong. Which means I'm back to the edit program to chase this demon. Oh my gosh. So that was Wednesday night. So I go fix it. I go fix this filter. I take it off. I I even rendered it again to see what the heck. And it just, it was reading the shot. What it does is it analyzes the shot and puts a filter on to counteract. This is just one of those times that filter went completely
1: nuts. Digital interference and digital noise that it reinterprets incorrectly, apparently. It
0: just, it decided it needed to spin the shot. So it took that filter off, whatever. um, And I dump it back out overnight. Okay, go to bed, dump it back out overnight. I may have stay up for a while to do fixes, but I dump it back out overnight. We're now into, if you're following along with the class, Thursday morning when I want to get the film out. Right. I get up really early. I get up very early, like sun hasn't risen early. I'm looking at it. I'm putting it together, and I'm scrolling through because I'm going to put it on Blu-ray and then watch it again. I'm scrolling through, and I happen to find, while scrolling quickly, <laughs> in order to plug in the Blu-ray burner, I had to unplug one of my extra drives, which shouldn't be a problem because all the footage is on my main external drive, except (laughs) one series of shots in the M3 piece references our old M235 piece, which it's pulling off the other drive.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: I had not plugged in the other drive late at night. I had left the Blu-ray burner on, which means... That part of the film rendered out with this terrible-looking graphic that says Missing File for a good 10 seconds in the middle of my new master. Now, for those of you that do edit know those programs give you that warning when you're going to render out. Hey, by the way, this has off, offline footage in it. It's missing footage, blah, blah. I saw that, but I also knew that in my master, which has got layers between the color and then an older layer and then an older layer under that, one of my old layers was offline, and it didn't matter anymore. So I saw that warning, but I've been seeing that warning and it's been no issue. So I ignored it because it hasn't been an issue for three versions yet. But now it was warning me about a new one because the drive was offline and now I have a new master with files missing.
1: Oh my gosh. Ah. You can't see me, but I'm just just shaking my head over here. I can't believe this. So
0: Thursday morning, I'm starting again. New masters. The problem is now I don't have the ability to go (laughs) off for a nice sleep while this works. So now I'm doing that watching the pot boil thing.
1: Of course, and right,
0: right. the computer is also now candidly tired. I mean, it's just – I can tell by the way it's grinding and the way that it sounds. It's moving about half speed. Yeah. So yeah. I do what any person does. I reboot it. Right. I rebooted it twice. I rebooted it with some time in between, twice, and it never sped up. Oh. So renders that should have taken me an hour, a little more, were taking two, two and a half hours. This is Thursday.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah. <clears throat> Unbelievable.
0: So I make the decision. I make the judgment call. Okay. All right. Um, the Blu-ray, which was supposed to go out Thursday, to ship out Thursday for a duplication, isn't going to go today because I'm not going to have a chance to watch it today. Um, so I decide I'm going to get the Vimeo file out. So I get the Vimeo file out first. I get the Blu-ray file out waiting in the wings to be burned to Blu-ray. We'll come back to that part of the story, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, I take the file to a better uh, – my internet is terrible – So I have to go somewhere else for upload. I take the Vimeo file down into Salt Lake uh, where I do uh, editorial work for commercials, and I'm down there to do the upload. So I take that file down there. I upload it to Vimeo while I'm actually sitting with a client, I didn't even tell you this, Paul. I had a client that called me in the middle of this day with an emergency edit that a different editor, this has nothing to do with Everyday Driver, a different editor had essentially had a problem with an edit they were leaving town. They dropped it in my client's lap and said, you got to get it fixed somehow and got on a plane. This client calls me and says, can you please come in today into Salt Lake and fix this edit for me?
1: Of course. There's always an emergency when everything else blows up. Of course. Always.
0: So I'm down in Salt Lake sitting with this client. Now, luckily, this client knows the show. He's a fan of the show. He watches it. If you listen, Mike, thank you. But uh, anyway, so he's sitting there with me while I'm uploading on my on another computer in the same edit bay. I'm uploading the film to Vimeo. <clears throat> You would think I was making this up. The upload got to 99% and got stuck. What? Not kidding. Sat there at 99% uploaded for a half hour when I finally oh realized I need to accept the fact this upload's never finishing. So I had to cancel the upload, which those of you that know that upload, that means that's now done and I'm started over. So I uploaded again, luckily the second time it decided to take, which is why the film came out late Thursday night. That was the second time I uploaded a Vimeo. (laughs) You would think the trials are done. Oh, no, 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 no. I got home, was very excited about the film being on Vimeo. Uh, You would think I'm making this story up. It's absurd. Uh, Got home. Now I need to burn the good new Blu-ray file to the Blu-ray for the master, if you're following the story. Right. I go to the exact same program, exact same Blu-ray burner that I used to make the prior one that was bad. Never had a problem. Now the program won't read the Blu-ray burner. It's as if it doesn't exist. I'm standing at my computer in disbelief. I reboot my computer. I reboot the program a couple times. It won't see the burner. So now I'm (laughs) trying to figure out what to do because that means I'm going to have to go – because this is an ancient burner. I'm going to have to go buy a new burner, clearly, because I have to get this problem solved. Luckily, Blu-ray burners are cheap, but you've got to be kidding me. It's coming up on 8 o'clock. My local Best Buy will have a burner, but they're going to close by 9, so I need to make this judgment call soon. Right about this time, I boot the program again, and lo and behold, it sees the burner, which it should. It saw it the night before and the night before that. Great. So I throw a disc in, and I start burning the disc. At about 8.20, almost 8.30, the new burn sticks at two minutes left. Oh, my gosh. It freezes.
1: This is beyond so, comedy of errors. This is, this is beyond is Oh, it's it's
0: just, it's just, it's, it's like I made it up. It's <laughs> like I made it up. So I go flying out in the snow in my sports car to Best Buy, where I buy the only Blu-ray burner they have in the store. Not kidding. Of course.
1: There's which only one I left. Which I bring home.
0: Of course. Which I bring home and plug in and proceed to burn the disc that I then watched that night, which was then, thank God, Correct. So I could ship it out FedEx Friday morning. You think we've hit the finish line. I thought we'd thought we hit the finish line. I had a perfectly good weekend. The disc was finally out after all of those trials. <laughs> this morning, the duplication house was expecting the disc at 10 o'clock this morning. Yeah. The disc was lost until almost 3 p.m. It showed up at 3 Walked in like no big deal. the The disc is here. We were all like, "Where have you been?" It is finally in duplication. Icon is really out, and the film does exist. So I'm going to pass out now. That's pretty much what <laughs> it. I will say, some of you may be working for uh, for FedEx
1: or UPS or delivery service, and things happen. We know that, but it would just it was in the category of of course, you know, of course something else oh, yeah. happened. The disc got oh, lost or. You know, you pay for 10.30 a.m. shipping and it just – they breeze in at 2.30, 3 o'clock and it just happens. It does. But, Mm -hmm. you know, something else. So it's underway at this point. We will have discs. (laughs) We will. We think. Yeah. But – They're going to be great. As I tell Todd, we don't have a film, even on on YouTube, (laughs) until it's posted. We think, oh, we shot everything and we'll just have to edit it. No, no. We don't have it until it's posted and you're watching it. Because there's always something. The, the, it's, it's always a different recipe. So I, I can't believe that. And, and yeah, I, I haven't heard most of that, to be honest. And I'm just like,
0: and I And I've never. Uh, I mean, uh, I didn't gosh. follow. The thing about this is so kind of ridiculous is nothing about the process, the steps I took, were any different than they've been on any film prior. <coughs> it right, was similar right. time frames. It was similar steps. It was just on this one. If it could go wrong, as you've heard, it did. To the point that it was just, it, it almost became laughable. It was that place where it's, okay, I'm having a laugh or cry moment. I'm going I'm to laugh this off for a minute, and I'm going to dive back into the fact of, oh, look, I'm going to make the master again. It was just, it was shocking. It, it, and actually, about halfway through this process, here's what's, what's nuts. About halfway through this process, I thought, I can commiserate with the poor podcast listeners. I started writing down the events. <laughs> because I thought, you know, even even halfway through, I thought this is comedy. By the But I didn't realize that that was actually half what the list was going to be. So, yeah, we're out. It exists. Many of you have seen it. I'm so glad you're liking it. Um, and, yeah, I, and I don't yeah. share this story yeah. for anything other than to just kind of debrief and laugh about it. It's just like I cannot believe all of these things on one project in one 36-hour period, everything happened.
1: And by the way, on these discs – I think, uh, everybody, that you've noticed that they do not work in the Microsoft Xbox players for for reasons of Microsoft data management rights, the DRM uh, yeah. rights management. I do believe yep. it works on the Sony PlayStation. Can you confirm it that? It definitely does. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay.
0: That, that, I play it on the PlayStation. I check it on the PlayStation. Okay, that's I mean, The I other big thing that's you have to thought. know about the Blu-rays is that you now the PlayStation updates itself software-wise all the time. <coughs> Blu-ray <coughs> stock is always here, – here's how geeky we can be. Blu-ray stock is always kind of updating and, ch- and changing, and so you can have a Blu-ray player that gets a brand-new disc on the latest and greatest stock, and the Blu-ray player goes, what is this? I don't know how to, how to play it. Right. That sometimes right. happens with our discs. You have to update your firmware of your player often. That's a common issue that we've had with our discs and older players. But I know for a fact it works on PlayStation because it's one of the things I check it on. Uh, but, yes, it exists. It's out the door and the duplication Sheesh. house has it. I, here's, I'm going to be tacky right now. I'm going to be tacky and possibly <laughs> prophetic. Okay. I'm very curious to hear what the story is between when it leaves the duplication house and arrives on our front door. Oh, because yeah. Because yeah. if the story continues, there's something yet to be done.
1: Let's hope not. Let's hope not. <laughs> After hearing that, let's I just agree. hope they just get it done And we've got discs to ship to the good people (laughs) for Christmas gifts and let it be that. And it'll be our fourth film. Just, man, barely across the finish line with this one. But, yeah, huge thanks for your work. This is insane. It's just insane.
0: We were doing fine. Everything was as normal. Everything was as normal, and then right there at the eleventh hour or twelfth hour by this point, yeah. Anyway, gosh, we should do a car debate for our for our friend for our friend Shane. We should do a car debate and talk about uh, he and his family and get back to the reason for the show. And we do have Facebook questions coming up, lots of good ones tonight. I'm looking forward to some of those as well.
1: Yeah, we do. Shane, thanks so much for writing. As I mentioned before, he and his family live in Washington D.C. They are a three-car family with a third child arriving probably about the time this podcast drops, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> they are fans of leasing. And Shane has become a car guy. He's he's really gotten <laughs> yep. into it for the, about the last four years, which is so encouraging and, and great to read because Shane's gotten into autocrossing, the high-performance driving events, karting. He hopes to do some rallying. He's done track yeah. days of all kinds now, and so he is just into it, hardcore, which is hilarious. But they I have got this third kid coming into their life, which is great. Congratulations, Shane and uh, and your wife. They are already leasing a brand new Volvo XC90 T6. So this is the main family mm-hmm. car that mm-hmm. apparently the nanny spends most of the time driving around. Now, keep in mind, Shane and his wife are both educators in the D.C. area. And his wife has a Fiat 500. She loves it. She mm-hmm. doesn't want to let it go. Shane drives a Fiesta ST, which he also mm-hmm. loves. Doesn't want to let it go. And then, of course, the Volvo is you yeah. know, the family yes. car. So <clears throat> guess where this is going, everyone? <laughs> it's not going to be fourth car. They couldn't do fourth car. But it's got to be... Something now with three seats, three kid seats. And that's why Shane is asking about the three across in the back. And that's why I'm a bit skeptical because car seats have just gotten wide. I think if they were to be designed a little bit narrower without cup holders and extra slots for catching Cheerios and all that
0: stuff. So you're talking about buying the ones without the missiles. I get what you're saying. Yes.
1: Yes. If they were narrower, we could probably pull this off because don't they have the latch system? Uh, All three? All three places across or is that only generally
0: yes. Generally yes.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. So theoretically it could be done. It just depends on having the right car seat in the back. So this is what Shane is looking for is if I trade in probably my wife's Fiat, she's gonna commandeer Mm -hmm. the Fiesta ST and then he's gonna need something that he can track yikes, have fun driving, but also take the kids, all three of the kids because he's going to be having to do some of the errands. Now, can you track any vehicle? Yes, you can. I mean, we've seen people track Jeep Grand Cherokees. They will
0: be on track.
1: Let's just say you can. Mm -hmm. Other cars will do a lot better at it. So I kind of went in the direction of cars that would be somewhat fun to drive. The tracking thing, I, I kind of left alone because, of course, you're going to have kid duty and the stuff that goes along with it more prevalent in your life than you know taking this car to the track. So mm-hmm. that is, that's probably going to mean it's going to be an automatic, too. So both he and his wife can trade off driving it. They'll just be the ease of driving, that kind of thing, but still somewhat fun. So it's got to be yeah. this in-between thing. It can't be the full SUV like the Volvo, but, of course, it can't be just the small, hot hatch kind of thing. Well.
0: There's so many layers to this because they want to get three seats across so that they have an alternate car, as you're saying, alternate car to the Volvo, which is the primary family car. But the other issue is the fact that… OK, they think this other car now needs to be an automatic, which has not been the case with the 500 or the, Fiat, uh, or the Fiesta ST. Those are both uh, manuals. And they love the manuals, but they realize that the only car the nanny can drive is the automatic. So if they even want to mix cars up at all, they have to have another automatic in play. So this additional car, the Fiat will go away. This additional car will have to be automatic and handle three car seats. All right. That's the, those are the key things where this whole thing spins. I have a couple of thoughts on this. Um, but honestly, you're going to have to do, A, some testing, and B, um, you, you're going to have to do some research, I think, online. There are sites that just deal with this kind of thing. Obviously, that's not always what we deal in. But I do have a few thoughts to kind of give you some strategies on this. But I'm curious where, you're, where your head went on this, Paul.
1: I immediately jumped to a sport wagon from BMW. So a 330i okay. sport wagon, My that's where I started out. and you can't blame me. That would be the logical thing. And then I mm-hmm. reread Shane's email here and found this $300, $325 lease price range. And the leasing part is because they like to just love their cars and trade them in after about three years and just move mm-hmm. on. So he's looking at this 325 as the magic mark. <clears throat> With that 330 Sportwagon, that leases for four. Fifty-two, something like that, which is even with a Paul limiter and even with me trying to justify it up one (laughs) side and down the other, just (laughs) even with you being
0: you, with me being me, even you aren't going to justify that. That's what I like about this. Even you're going, yeah, that's too far. (laughs) That's just too much of a jump.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Even with my own (laughs) loosened controls here, I was like, "Uh, no, I can't do that.
0: And then I (laughs) thought, I I thought of the
1: perfect car. It's the perfect car for this. It's the Mercedes-Benz okay. AMG GLA 45, but hmm. that's even more okay. expensive than the BMW. That leases Wrong direction. For yep close to I think five or six hundred bucks a month, maybe seven hundred. Ouch! Brand new, because of course you want it fully yeah. loaded. But hot engine. It's not quite a car. It's not quite an SUV. It's got mm-hmm. a little more space, but holy moly, this thing is fast. I think that would really be great. It's an automatic. Blah blah. On and on and on except for the price. So again, there is no way to justify that either.
0: So <laughs> stepping
1: back, thinking critically here, I visited Infinity's website and I took okay. a look at the QX 30. This is brand right? new, and this is actually yeah. a platform sharing agreement with the Mercedes-Benz A class that has yes. now come to North America. So this Infinity QX30, I'm scrolling over here now, build and price, and I've come to this car just thinking it's the same kind of thinking as this AMG GLA45. It's the same kind of, you know, not mm-hmm. quite a mm-hmm. car, not quite an SUV, doesn't quite know what it wants to be, but here it is <laughs> starting at under 30000 And this might be something. Now, again, because I mentioned any car can be tracked, yes, you could. Is it going to perform spectacularly like your Fiat 500 or the Fiesta ST? No, it's not. But again, I erred on the side of kid duty and three kids now and needing more space and some flexibility. And so that set me off. This QX30 set me on this path. I know you can lease one easily for $325 a month there. That led me back to Volvo's website, and since you already are Volvo owners, I thought about the V60, which is very similar Mm -hmm. to the Infiniti. Also, Mm -hmm. not quite sure what it wants to be, but maybe that's a good thing. I mean, the AMG GLA doesn't know what it wants to be, and it's stupid fast, so
0: okay, (laughs) all right, we'll go with it. Yeah, there are those things that are stuck in the middle where it's like, I don't know what this is, but man, it's fun. Yeah, hear, <laughs> but man, this is going. fast
1: and fun, and I'm not sure what kind of vehicle this is. So, <clears throat> my last suggestion here, Shane, is the Volkswagen Golf Sport Wagon, which is also brand new okay. to North America here. And I thought, is it? Could we try to make it like a Wagony GTI? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it's not quite the engine, and it's a little heavier and bigger. But that could also be a consideration, and I'm proud to say all these will come right into that that lease payment of 325. So just kind of depending on Kay. how much you put down, I'm I'm pretty proud of that. And uh, good, you know, just well done. I can hear the faint applause from everybody. I actually didn't have to throttle <laughs> the pole limiter too much. The,
0: the the faint applause. There you go. Good job. Good <laughs> job. All right. Maybe it's all clown right. music playing instead. I am not sure, but it uh, might be different problem. Yeah. That's
1: kind of where I landed, and uh, just okay. something to consider. And again. Keep in mind, we're all about the driving feel. And is that infinity? I I don't know. It's based on the A class, which we always notice when Todd and I are in Europe. We're always, our eyes are Mm -hmm. always drawn to this thing. We think, huh, I wonder what that's like. And it might be actually pretty good. But check out that QX30. I was pretty intrigued by this. And I've suggested it before when it was not available. But I believe it is. It's on Infinity's North American website. I think it's available mm-hmm. to the
0: rest of the world as well, but I've FaceTime. actually saw one today. In fact, I saw one really? on the road in front of me today. Yep, well, I did just this evening. There you go, yep. even better. There Tell me, yep.
1: did it catch your
0: eye? Did you think it was a Hyundai? What? Tell me about it. Here, here's the thing: it's because you know I, I was actually happened to be driving the Cayenne today, and I was surprised at how little <laughs> the QX30 is on the road. Okay. It's, it's smaller than you think. It's it's like CX five sized. Okay. Okay. Maybe even a little. It's actually probably a little closer to the ground than the CX five even. That's But kind it's of an interesting thinking. looking car. You know. It's so so it could it could certainly work. One of the things I want to I want to reiterate here about Shane's situation is that look, his wife loves her five hundred, but they kind of agree that that's the car to go. She also and I love this. I love this Shane. She likes the the Fiesta ST a lot. She feels like the Recaros are a bit too much when she first gets in it, but her comment to him is, I don't like it, and then 10 minutes later, I love it. So after she settles into those seats, she decides it's amazing. So Shane has realized a problem, kind of a good problem, but he thinks if he gets rid of his wife's fiat, which is where they're headed, she will probably take the Fiesta ST. Yeah, yeah. So now the commute car that has to do double duty to do other thing becomes his car. So he wants to make sure it's fun to drive. That's what makes this hard. So I have a couple different strategies for you here, Shane. The first thing I want to say to you is start digging. Make Google your friend. Start digging about these three seats across. And I'm I'm just jumping around websites here as we're online. I've got one that's Center that has an article about this. I've got a <laughs> sites I've, I've never got, heard
1: of. Are you kidding me? I've got
0: one called Mommyhood 101. That has an article like this. Oh my I'm gosh. Tell you what kind of articles we're talking about. Oh I've got gosh. another one called Infasecure. The reason is, and I've said this before, the two people that should not be allowed on the Internet are pregnant women and retired men because all they're really <laughs> on the Internet for is to confirm their greatest fears. But there's a lot of information for those two groups. In the case of three car seats, here's what you can Google. You can Google Three car seats across. The f- first tactic I want you to take is actually not car. It's car seat. Right. Because there right. are different car seats that have different levels of narrowness. And depending upon what, ca- what level, what stage of seat you're on. I mean, look, we're going to get parent geeky here real quick. As far as rear c- facing, front facing, is it a booster? What happens depending upon your kid age? I think you need to do a little bit of Legos with your car seats. And figure out through these websites and through research, what are the three across you can get? They obviously have to be safe. They obviously have to have latch, latch uh, system security. But what are the ones that have the narrowest profiles on them so you have more flexibility in fitting three across? Because you could just go buy three trash can child seats and almost <laughs> every car out there won't fit all three of them. I mean, that's the truth. You could buy ones that are oh huge gosh. with missiles and the extra pop-out cup holders, and now you, you're totally. lucky to get one in there. So the first thing to do, I think, is really to shop for what are the three narrowest profile car seats out there that will fit your combination of the level of car seats you need. So that's a good place to start. Again, there's tons of websites that deal with it. I'm looking at it here. Most of them have got things where they're like, the top 20, 2016 car seats that, that will work three across. I mean, they've got these kind of articles. Side note, by the way, I don't know if you know this, Paul. Here's the crazy thing. <laughs> when you start buying car seats and cribs, Those things are constantly being safety tested by the, quote, unquote, latest and greatest safety standards. Yeah. A bunch of stuff that was perfectly good last year, perfectly safe, top of the line last year for kids for 2015. This year they have decided it's a death trap. It makes me laugh. This happens like crazy on this stuff.
1: Oh my it's gosh. one of the reasons
0: you can't hand down those things because the new mom researches that model and finds out, well, when you bought it, it was fine. But now they've decided it actually secretly has spikes on the inside and is going to kill my children. I mean, it's just – my constant paranoia here. Because kids grow out of these, and where do
1: all the ones from like two or three years ago go? What, what happens to them? Do they get – Well, here's the
0: thing. garage sale hand, and – Hand-me-down down does happen. garage sale stuff happens. It's just funny because – constantly with both cribs and child seats somewhere down the line, somewhat model that was decided to be awesome is now the worst thing you could possibly put your child into. And I sit here going, how was it okay a year ago? It's not like the human body has changed or crashes have changed. What did we discover anyway? But all of that, <laughs> I, I'm on a rant about child seats, but this is where to start Shane, is to figure out the child seat Lego combination. Then jump into cars. I've got two for you, both of which are automatic both of which are fun to drive, both of which have got surprisingly good back seats and are still staying small. Because the thing I see here with your Fiat 500 and your Fiesta ST is you guys like light, chuckable cars. So I've got two. You're going to have to shop. But most of these three across websites are testing with things like the Toyota RAV4 and the Mazda CX-5. They're not testing with Suburbans. Sure, right. So right. We're, you can get into something that isn't huge and it'll still work. The two I have for you, first off, is the Golf R.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's got a surprisingly good back seat. I bet you get three across if you shop those seats right. So I think you should look at that. Uh, you might not get a Golf R for your $325 a month, but I noticed that there are deals right now on GTIs for like 250 a month. So maybe it's not a Golf R, maybe it's a GTI. You would still enjoy that car. you get that good DSG. I mean, you want to go automatic. So, look, we'd love for you to be in a manual, but the DSG... Is a great uh, automatic gearbox if you're going to get one. So um, you know I would push you for toward the manual, but that's not where we are. So you could get maybe the Golf R if you can, but if not, that you wind up at the GTI. Nothing wrong with that. It'd yeah. Be a good place right. to be. The lease is right. Getting a new one on lease avoids the number one reason we don't always recommend that car, and that is there's a dice roll of reliability, sixty to eighty thousand miles in. You're getting a new one on lease. Doesn't matter. Yeah, true. So true. Take take a good look at Volkswagen, possibly the Golf R, if you can pull off the deal. If not, that the GTI is absolutely in there. The other one I have for you is Subaru WRX. The back seat on that car is shockingly big for its size.
1: Yeah, it's actually so pretty good I size, and that's inside that car.
0: It, it really is. I mean, it's 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 not as nice an interior, but you're coming out of the, the Fiesta ST and the Fiat 500. So I don't think the world's greatest interior is your biggest concern. Now, I will say, the downside of the WRX, that automatic is a CVT. Obviously, that is the world's worst enthusiast bad word. Among CVTs, here's my terrible crack, this is the best of the ugly girls. It is. It just is. It is, It's a CVT that masquerades like a car with gears. You pull a lever and it has a set ratio that it holds. It is probably one of the best CVTs out there. If Nissan and the Toyota Corolla offer you the worst, this is the best. So I think it's livable. I think you could do it. It gets good gas mileage. It's a genuinely fun car. And I think you get three seats across in the back. So look up the Golf R or GTI. Look up the WRX. And first and foremost, play Lego with seats. Do some research and find the three narrowest seats you can for your kids. Congrats on the growing family. And I'm staying there.
1: Peg Perego Primo Viaggio 4 slash 35 infant car seat for $300. bucks. mm hmm What if you took a Sawzall to that sucker and, like, really custom-fit these things into the backseat? Stop. Then you could just get any car you want.
0: Heck. Parents everywhere are crying now.
1: (laughs) And why do you need a canopy over the top of your car seat when it's going to be inside a car? Is that for the, the...
0: word Salzar and, call, and car seat have never been combined prior to this podcast? I mean, a well, because plastic's here, gonna here, fly, but
1: whatever, you know. But
0: here's the other thing that happens: you have that fit. you have that layer, the infant infant layer, which is actually kind of cool. You have that layer where your carrier, your your child carrier, plugs into the base of the car seat. So your child carrier, when it's rear facing. It becomes the car seat rear facing, but it's also the carrier that unplugs and you carry around. That's why it's got the sunshade. It's not for the, when it's in the car. It's for when you're carrying it around off your hip. So um, hmm. yeah. Anyway, I'm having flashbacks, Paul. I'm not sure I'm <laughs> going to have PTSD here in a minute. But holy uh, yeah. moly! Yeah, Orbit Baby G3 Infant Car Seat is 400 bucks.
1: Oh, buddy, seriously,
0: this is a rabbit trail you don't want to be on. And then it's sort of like, well,
1: how much is your baby's life worth? And then you're just going to That's exactly the conversation
0: that happens. Welcome. That's exactly the conversation. So what you need to do is you need to back away slowly and start closing those tabs on your web browser. I'm closing Mommyhood
1: 101. Why am I I browsing Mommyhood 101? What what did you do to
0: me? This is what's great about this podcast is that you and I lead (laughs) each other to dark (laughs) cul-de-sac holes of the Internet we would have never found on our own. And the audience joins us. So, uh, yeah, there there's a, a real trip in the madness tonight on the podcast. Wow. So, Shane, hopefully, we've been helpful to you.
1: Yes, agreed. Well, let's jump into some great Facebook questions here. These are really creative. And I want to start out with one of the most interesting and I think the, the most creative questions so far. Okay. Drumroll, please. AJ Gall no writes kidding. Which one of you will have an electric car first? Huh. OK. <laughs> I laughed at this one, AJ, because nobody's ever asked that question. We talk about mm-hmm. it endlessly. We talk about electric cars, as I'm sure you've heard,
0: up yeah, one side yeah.
1: and down the other. But I don't think it's occurred to either of us that that would be on the radar. I mean, I saw two Model Xs in Park City today. And they're mm-hmm. almost old news, funny enough. It's sort of like, <laughs> oh, you two, yeah, they're handing them out here, too, and yawn. They look smaller to my eye, too. They just looked far more compact and a lot smaller than I remembered from our shoot back in uh, February of uh,
0: Still of not attractive.
1: Just, just not Man. attractive. Ugh. So I would think because the first Tesla, the Tesla Roadster, was a joint partnership with Lotus Engineering and built on an – a modified and stretched Lotus Elise chassis, I would mm. think that appealed to Todd immediately. Mm. And so I think, all right, but, you know, they're still like in the $65,000 range. Mm. And yeah, yeah. Todd's a huge fan of Lotus, as you know, but I kind of think by the time we get around to thinking, all right, I want to add an electric car, it's going to be something different. It might not even be the sports car, the fun car that we have it might be well, the family hauler. It might be the something else. And so I, I would, I would, I would have said Roadster for you first. But hmm, then I think even yous no, And by the time we get around to thinking, all right, I can spend you know that kind of money on an yeah. electric car. Yeah. Huh. I
0: don't know. Well, it's funny because I mean, a part of me <laughs> thinks it would be you, but only if you would go high end. If you could get into to a really nice Model S or a really nice X, or maybe even a loaded-out Model 3. I think that would interest you. But you're not on the cusp of that at all. I think that, but I think that's the, the, the world. Or of course, look, let's say the obvious before somebody else says it. When Porsche makes their Model <laughs> S competitor, you're going to want one. But I will say to you this. I will say to you this. I've been thinking about this now because winter is seriously here in Park City and the FRS is doing great. In fact, today I was in the Cayenne and my wife was in the FRS and she commented, as much snow as is out there, how great it is to drive the FRS in the snow.
1: Yeah. So I've
0: been thinking a lot about, but I've been thinking a lot about the reality of that car is surprisingly versatile, but there is that part of me that wants the true winter beater the true car that is designed just to do the unfun stuff in the winter. And, and and if I had that, and look, I can't afford to do that right now, but if I had that, then that allows the sports car to be even more focused toward madness of summer driving and track driving because it doesn't have to do all the stuff that the FRS is doing now. Right. There is a right. genuine part of me that is very intrigued by something like a Chevy Bolt. In fact, I liked it at the LA Auto Show. As the runaround town winter beater car... That yeah. allows the sports car to do whatever.
1: To be very focused and more fun I mean, and honestly, if
0: if Honestly, if the budget was there, if the budget was there, I would seriously consider as a third car getting a Bolt for the winter beater runaround car and then buying something like an Elise or taking the FRS and stripping it out for more track duty or something that goes hardcore because it doesn't have to do the winter stuff anymore. I would seriously consider it. I I, I Hmm. thought about that when I sat in the Bolt at the LA Auto Show. I thought, huh, I could see this as that utilitarian car. Because once you go utility, in my mind, once you go utility, that to me is where the electric thing intrigues me.
1: I can see that. And I think you're right. As Porsche comes out with their electric performance car, it depends on what it is. I mean, if it's more SUV or more sports car, unknown. But okay, I'll probably want it. But (laughs) despite, (laughs) well... I mean, it is me. But despite the price of the Model X, $150,000, that interior yeah. is nowhere close to being a $150,000 interior on that car. You're right. You're right. And yeah. that's kind True. of the turnoff for me. I'm all about mm-hmm. the electric tech. But those interiors, until they get, until they match that price point, but by the time you do and you match the interior to that price point, it's going to be a $300,000 mm-hmm. $300, car. Because you're really paying for the tech and the fact that nobody else really has one and the doors and all that yeah. jazz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I'm thinking, all right, well, I, I mean, the interior quality and style and amenities and comfort and all that stuff has to be up there for me to think I could justify paying that much. And so if Porsche does it right, well, that'll be a really expensive car. But then I think oh, yeah. I come back to what you're saying about how about just a runaround kind of car that's mm-hmm. that you don't have to rely on for the – man this has to tick the box of track and fun sports car or it has to tick the mm-hmm. box of it's got to get me around the winter i mean i'm sure those batteries lose power in the extreme cold here and I'm sure therefore they do. making them less usable so maybe the middle of the road and you don't mind the interior quality and it's kind of it's good it's fine but it's an electric runabout but
0: i i, I see think that. of something like a like a bolt because you know if you have like the, the nissan leaf which mm-hmm. are now cheap um, but if you, they have like a Nissan Leaf. On its best day, there's a hundred miles. Now you take away, you're driving it hard in the mountains. You take away the fact that it's really cold. That yeah. could drop to sixty or seventy. That yeah. could be a problem. But if a Bolt is running 240 miles in best conditions, what's it going to drop to? 180? That's still tons. That's still very so useful. So yeah. I feel like that's a situation yeah. where the electric power being bothered by the cold is less of an issue because you had so much range to begin with. I right. mean, I'm, I'm way off in the weeds here, but it is a good question, AJ. And, and, I, and it's funny because I did think this, had this line of thought while sitting in the Bolt. And I also like the fact that the Bolt is doing that thing where it isn't, yes, it's an electric car, but unlike the Leaf, it isn't a car that's going, hey, look at me, I'm electric quite as much. It's kind of a normal car that happens to be electric. And that actually intrigues me, too.
1: Right, right. Anyway, great question. I, I Made me step back and think a while, AJ. So mm-hmm. well done, yeah. well done. Yeah, yeah.
0: That was great. Uh, Charlie, Charlie wrote to us, and he, he's writing. He's, he's from Sweden, and he's writing in and going, okay, hang on. Why doesn't the United <laughs> States like station wagons? What's the problem? Why don't we like them? Why don't we buy them? And he's sitting here going, if you're a family, and we just had this conversation for Shane, if you're a family and you're worried about hauling stuff, why do, do Americans jump instantly to SUV? Why don't they do things like, you know, Golf R Estate or, you know, Audi RS Estates and these kind of things? Now, he then acknowledges that some of those really cool ones aren't sold here, but he's going, what's the problem? And I'm going to say it's two things. First off, it's one of perception, okay? Because the station wagons that Americans remember, I hate to say it, we all think they are the car from the vacation movies. Right,
1: right. The
0: big, ugly, ridiculous, wood-paneled wagon. That's what we all think they are. So we don't, as Americans in general, I'm not talking car enthusiasts, I'm talking Americans in general, that's what they think of when they see a wagon. Many Americans, when they see a hot hatch Associate that with this kind of wagon from vacation, which couldn't be further from the truth, and they still think that. <laughs> that's funny. So right, it's true though. I mean, it's funny that when I when I bought my Saab 92X, my wife, who's fairly car savvy, I bought a Saab 92X. She went, "You bought a wagon," and I went, "No, no, 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 no. Drive it, ride with me." But her initial response was that same thing. She's like, "You bought a wagon." Yeah, that's so right. there, that's there funny. is that perception that has to be broken because we've been kind of raised in it. So that's one problem. Um, so, but then the other problem is, I think this, and and, and I'm curious for you to dive in on this, Paul. I think the other problem is the fact that the really good wagons that exist here in the U S and when I say really good wagons, I don't mean something in a wagon body shape. I mean, fun to drive good wagon are expensive. Whereas the usable, fairly fun to drive, decent looking small CUV is cheap. You can get a CX five for 30 grand. Yeah, you can go buy yourself an AMG wagon for sixty. Or more. So where is the fun yeah. to drive wagon? The genuinely fun to drive, and I don't mean hot hatchback, I mean wagon now. Where is the genuinely fun to drive wagon for thirty grand? Because I think enthusiasts would buy that. I think the word would spread. This is a fun to drive car that is big enough. There is a hole in the US market between hot hatch and and full wagon AMG E-Class 70,000. I mean, look at what the Cadillac CTS-V wagon that we talk up. That was an expensive car. There is no thirty dollars to $40,000 really fun wagon with the possible exception of the Acura TX- TSX, but that's not even manual anymore. So we don't have anything that can carry the banner here. I think it's a
1: combination of things, and one of the biggest things is space. I mean, we've got Colorado, we've got Texas, we've got Montana. I mean <laughs> you think I'm going to get something for my family with space well mm. I can afford the wagon why don't I just go ahead and get the big SUV and those sell Fair. far better whereas in Europe that is sort of the big SUV and still needs to be compact and fit in parking spaces and park on streets That's and a all good that point. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just by virtue of space alone you're right mm-hmm. about the price though. I I mean yeah wagons are expensive. Maybe it's due to the fact that the engine choices manufacturers put in the engines for North America are mm-hmm. higher power, bigger displacement. They charge more. They're not the 1.8 liter turboed four diesel, you know, that kind of small, slow engine. They're they're a mm-hmm. big displacement. They're a powerful engine, which you're going to pay more money for. So that bumps the price up. And I just don't think people associate driving fun with rag- wagons. They just Think, they don't. All right, They don't. It's utility. And then people want yep. to sit up high. North Americans want to sit up high, especially Americans. We want to well, – it's safer. I mean, yeah. it's that perception that the, is – The perception we, of safety. You're right. What we've talked about is we think is wrong. I've said it before. The safest car is the one that can avoid the accident in the first place. It can <laughs>
0: out-accelerate, Fair. out-break,
1: and out-handle. Fair. But yeah. the perception, the feeling of sitting up high, I'm safer. I can see more of the road. Well, you're not necessarily safer. It's just you like yeah. sitting up high. A wagon doesn't yeah. do that for you. It's just a longer a boot on the car, you know?
0: Yeah. So you bring up a – I all hadn't thought about the space then You bring up a great point there <clears> because you, you l- listen to any reviewer. Read any reviewer from the U.K. where they have really tiny main streets in towns. When they get in a car – look, I'll go ridiculous for a second – they talked about the Alpha 4C, almost across the board, talked about the Alpha 4C being too wide to feel comfortable. The Alpha 4C huh. is not a big car. It's <laughs> a tiny it's car. It's just not a big car. If, if Americans, it, I'll, I'll go another step. If American mothers who were not interested in driving and just needed a car to carry the kids, if they were nervous driving their huge car down a main street in the U.S., they would buy a smaller car. But that doesn't exist here. Right. They buy the biggest car they can get because it's, quote, unquote, safer, and they feel better, and they can drive it down a main street in Texas or Colorado or California, and it doesn't feel like it's about to hit the door mirrors on anything. We've got enough space. If the roads were smaller, it would instantly drive those timid, non-enthusiast drivers to smaller cars. But here in the U.S., they have no need to be. And you're right. The ride height thing, this is interesting. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you.
1: Gosh. I, yeah. Another really excellent question. And uh, we keep banging our heads on this, but I think it's just by virtue of all these things are up in the mix. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just, it's so different, you know, continent by continent, which is amazing. Uh, you know, even yeah. the, the Eastern, East Asia continent, amazing. You know, the cars that they, small cars that they use over there, just
0: fantastic. Yeah, that they need to. Yeah. Fantastic. What else did you have?
1: What is on our auto related Christmas wish lists from Carrie Turner? <laughs> <laughs> Carrie two things. The first is a battery maintainer. I've never had a car that I think is going to sit in the garage because I lived mm, in Southern mm. California for so long.
0: Sure, yeah. I've yeah. got a
1: car I'm not going to be able to drive cuz I haven't popped from winter tires. I suppose I could, but it's it's yeah, going to be parked it. for a good amount of time. And the second thing on my list are the flat stopper, the race ramps, the tire cradles, those things to prevent the flat spots on the tires, to keep my tires round and intact, keep them donut shaped instead of flat spotted. So that's my wish list. Here you go. What's on yours? Ridiculous.
0: Well, what I want I my my son just had a birthday fairly recently and uh, I decided he we're we're all tech geeky here people and uh, we got the PlayStation VR headset. Yeah. So yeah. what I'm excited by is I really want I, honestly, I want the new Gran Turismo game to come out. It's not going to come out for Christmas because, of course, Gran Turismo. If they're known for nothing else, they're known for blowing <laughs> their deadlines on release. <laughs> they're known so, for delays. <laughs> but, exactly. But but their next version is supposed to be VR based. I'm just excited about having a VR based car game because the bil- I know it sounds weird. The ability to look through turns. That's not really going to happen for Christmas, but I'm excited about that. I'm going to play the uh, the Drive Club VR, which I hear is kind of the only one that exists right now. So I'll probably be asking for that. Because um, I'm just kind of intrigued by having a driving simulator. Now, Drive Club VR is not going to be it, but a driving simulator that actually does the really good tracks and still allows for good, proper 360 vision for you to look around A pillars and stuff. I, that just intrigues me. I'm excited about that. And then. Um, if uh, if I didn't already have them, I'd ask for our movies. But uh, and that actually isn't intended to be a pitch. It's just that that's the kind of thing I would love to watch at Christmas. And the ones I've got, I made. So I won't watch those again because I've seen them. But, uh, yeah. you were also that, in them. That's going on as well. Exactly. But actually, I say that. There's a, there's a few pieces of car content that I'm intrigued by. There's that uh, 24-hour war film that Adam Carolla has done. I'm intrigued by that. There's some, uh, some stuff. I actually haven't watched the latest season of Drive by the Drive Boys. I want to see all of that. So some of that, I like to sit down and watch good car content I didn't have to work on. I love working on it, but just stuff I didn't have to work on I can just sit and enjoy and take it in, that excites me too.
1: You mean the stuff that somebody else worried about authoring the Blu-ray and uploading the mask? Exactly. and all that jazz? Somebody
0: else worried about the fact that that right. stabilized shot had schizophrenia in the middle of it and decided to take a twist for no reason. Yeah, the stuff I didn't have to worry about that on. The, <laughs> the curse I have, though, is that I watch other people's content and see where they used a stabilizer that they shouldn't have. And I see where the color correction is terrible. This is my problem.
1: Everybody, when you watch a movie with Todd – Make sure you just ask them, like, okay, no comments. just Just let me watch the movie. Yeah. Don't like tell me what I did. Just be cool. So anyway, you
0: know, you know what, you know what's a scourge? I sorry, I have to rant. You know what's a scourge right now in car content, and it mm. started with Fast and the Furious, but I've seen it everywhere. It's on Grand Tour. I've seen it on Drive. I've seen it on Motor Trend. I do everything I can to refuse to use it, and that is speed changes, speeding up shots of cars. Oh yeah. Yeah, I see it every single time. Now, look, I'm in the one percentile of audience members that notice, but I see it all the time, taking a car and speeding it up, and it's not how, how that car looks in real time going that speed. But the problem is… Uh, Look, I'm going to sound like an old cranky man here when I say this. But the problem is it's training the audience to believe that that's what cars look like at speed. So we come along where we play our stuff in real time and we get comments like, well, you guys aren't even driving fast. No, no. That's what the car actually looks like going that speed.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I see all – I mean, look, Grand Tour has done it multiple times this season. And if you look, know how to look, you can see the skipped frames and you can see – look, I'm being crazy. But you can see the body movement that is not realistic.
1: It's too fast. So it's too, it's too it's happening.
0: Jumpy. you know, when when the when the when the drone comes in at what looks like a hundred miles an hour, I'll tell you something. The drone didn't come in at a hundred miles an hour. Right. That shot's been sped up. So that's a scourge going on in car content right now. That kind of makes me cringe. But I may be the only one cringing. Where you know,
1: Todd has pointed this out, everyone to me before. And so what we do is we speed up. We actually drive faster. To combat this problem because I know Todd is not going to speed up the film in the edit room. I know true. he won't. He this will refuse. True. So that means both of us have to drive faster yeah. anyway.
0: <laughs> that's that's a terrible admission, but you're right at the same time. That's, that's what it's that's done to good.
1: us. We've just – well, yeah, i got to drive right. 130 now because,
0: you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I'm hearing this podcast played back to me at some point. Anyway, yeah, keep going. No, what other
1: questions were on your list?
0: Uh, Well, Kevin Marchuk had an interesting one because the minute I read it, I thought of my answer. The minute I read it, he said, okay, if you could have a performance version of any economy car that doesn't currently have a performance version what would you pick i mean he's pointing out the the reference pieces like the base impreza becomes the sti the basic focus becomes the focus rs sure. so which one exists that needs a performance variant and i have the top of my list chevy cruz oh. where is chevy in this market They don't exist in this market. I get in the Chevy Cruze hatchback at the LA Auto Show. Genuinely good-looking car. And now Chevy has taken that Cruze and given it a hatchback shape, which means hot hatch. Hello. I talked to the product guy and asked him about hot hatch. And he was like, no, it's not in the pipeline. But we're bringing a diesel. I was like, you're going the wrong direction. (laughs) Wow. Wow. But here's the thing I keep thinking. Chevy has has nothing in this market. Ford is all over this market. Yeah, okay. True. Most every other manufacturer is all over this market. But look at GM's talent pool. Look at what they're doing to chassis in Cadillac with the ATS and the CTS. Awesome chassis dynamics. Awesome handling. Look at what they're doing with performance across the board in both the Camaro and the and the Corvette. But the problem is. In all of those cars I brought up, even the Camaro that you want is going to be 3540 grand. Right, right. Where's the performance car from Chevy at 2530? And the chassis for it is the Cruze and they aren't even touching it. That should be, I don't care what you call it. Is it the Cruze SS? I don't think it should be, but what is it? Okay? What's the hot hatch version of the Cruze and do you want to go nutty enough Chevy to make it all-wheel drive? But even if you don't, you can be a genuine player. With a worthwhile car, that car needs a performance variant. We gotta name that car.
1: It can't be called the cruise anymore because you're not cruising. It's gotta be something fast and hot. We've gotta name that car and send it to GM. Who knows? I
0: know people at GM. I could send it to them. I know you do, but I just I, I can't believe that Chevy has nothing to offer in that market segment.
1: Nothing. You're right. You're right. Ford has just been dominating that. I'm wondering if Chevy is just sort of like, eh, I'm not sure if we should play because Ford's going to kick us maybe, in the
0: teeth. Maybe. But, but come to play. I mean, look, if nothing else, there are guys out there that are Chevy guys that want the Chevy variant. Of if course. If nothing else. And as we've talked before a million times, yes, pure performance models don't sell. But the Cruze is going to sell. So it's going to offset And you've got all of this talent and all of this ability to make cars that are dynamically fantastic, and you have nothing below 30 grand or nothing below 35 grand. Gosh,
1: that's really interesting. I've been reeling through car manufacturers in my head. Honda is coming back with the new hot Civic SI. That's Mm -hmm. on its way, or if if not already here. Most performance cars, I mean, Hyundai's got the N division coming out that's going to be yep. you know Mazda needs to not leave that alone anymore they need to keep the Mazda speed thing going but Chevy yep. has never done anything and FCA and Dodge are you know they're they're out in left field now they're they're no well, longer Well but they're even close but they're
0: computer. doing they're doing their thing, which is the traditional big-engine monster. They don't want to play in that world. That's fine. And, you know, Chevy had the Cobalt a while back. You know, that was a car in, in the SS form. I mean, it was a decent performance car, okay? But they haven't come back since then. But the Cruze is a far better car than the Cobalt ever was as a starting place. So where's the hot one? Yeah. It, it just – I don't get it. I don't get it. So that's my that's my answer there. Anything else from you? Dig it. Uh, Last question here from
1: uh... – Let's see here. Nick 25 sent me a photo of a really terribly designed Honda wheel. I'm not sure which car that was on. If you I'm want glad to see the photo, that. Yep. Yep, <laughs> yep. If you want to see it go to our Facebook page, Everyday Drivers Facebook page there. And he sent me a photo of this uh this wheel. It's that awful. The longer I study it, the more I want to retch because you're right, Nick, it's it needs to stop. And interestingly, work, over time. Yeah. wheel designs will get Re, you know, retreaded, they'll, they'll get pulled back out from say two years ago, and design managers will say, Hey, that one wheel design that you came up with that wasn't good for that project, where did that go? Let's go revisit that mm-hmm. design. Because think about it wheel designs are wheel designs, they're really not connected necessarily to uh, the current design trends. I mean, they kind of are, but in terms of where the company is going. You could, you could pull out a cool wheel design that, you know, five years ago didn't work, mm-hmm. but right now, oh, that's perfect for that style of a car that we're doing now. Sure. I don't think this is the case. I think it <laughs> just – oof. I, I can't tell you. I can't explain it. And designers go through so many iterations and so many wheel designs. It just – it must have looked like, well, what does everybody think about this wheel? I guess nobody really hates it, so I guess we'll make it. Okay. We're making this one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Nobody objects cuz everybody's asleep. Okay, oh. let's uh, let's move on. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's, it's really it's not. It's
1: symmetrical good. in a bad way. None of the shapes are are familiar, I guess. They're all odd-looking, melted,
0: strange shapes. And it looks it's a hard big to geometric clean. thing. It looks like it's on their uh it looks like it's on one of their small SUVs and it's this weird geometric it's like a geometric spiral, if that makes sense. And that, that, is, that description actually is almost as bad as it looks.
1: <laughs> and that is uh, making geometric spirals everywhere look terrible. Mm-hmm. If you want mm-hmm. cool wheel designs, yeah. Porsche.com. Just log on to Porsche.com. Stop it.
0: And scroll Stop through all
1: it. the cool wheel designs there.
0: no. <laughs> no I mean you could go h r e you could go uh you know lots of really expensive wheel companies that will break the bank and cost as much as a car that have got some cool wheel designs but that's not you know that doesn't have a, a price point that makes sense for most people but yikes anyway yeah.
1: yeah I don't have an answer for that one and I agree with you Nick that is just yeesh it's busier than the car itself
0: yeah and the it's shocks don't relate terrible. it really is oh mm-hmm. no yuck yeah sorry everyone but Yeah. And uh, not a question, but I did want to give a shout out to Alex, who sent us a picture from his morning commute of someone driving in Colorado in their Jaguar XF with a license plate, Jaguar XF. Thank you, sir. You won the day. Uh, Please, please, please stop this. I just (laughs) I I know I've ranted before, but this is it's almost okay if you took all the badges off your car. Almost okay. Almost. Almost
1: still still. But
0: it's still it's still not right. But. Nine times out of ten, no, like ninety-nine percent of a of hundred times, what happens is it's labeled next to the badge. Yeah, I, yeah. I just I right, right okay. next to the badge. Actually, did did these people in school write their name on their paper twice? Because that's the only <laughs> thing that excuses it. And if you wrote your name on, do you do you sign a check twice? You don't. Oh, We're that's good. Awesome. Name it once, move on. All right, I'm done ranting. How funny. Wow.
1: We'll uh, get the Icon film. It is on Blu-ray. <clears throat> we are pretty sure it's coming. <laughs> We're pretty sure. At this point. And, and leave uh, us your
0: ratings on Vimeo or wherever. We'd love to hear your yeah, thoughts.
1: Yeah, Vimeo. Vimeo is where you can rent or download. So you've got to buy it to be able to download it. Thank you, Ed- Edgar, for pointing that out. And the premiere is coming up on Saturday, mm-hmm. December 17th, 2016. In Park City, of course, it's not part of the Park City film series, but uh, it kind of feels like that with so many films going on in Park City between December and January for Sundance and all the film series. So we're proud to be kind of all up in the mix with that. And, uh, yeah, let us know what you think.
0: We will post that info. I I should put that. I've been meaning to do it. I promise I will. I'll post it on the Facebook page. If you're in Salt Lake or Park City, you want to come this coming Saturday the 17th in the afternoon, you're welcome. Come join us for the premiere.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Guys, thanks so much. Thanks for watching, for listening. Cheers.